What's happening, everyone? Another episode of Just Another Sports Podcast. Greg Swatek, Josh Smith, here with you today. Hello. And, and Josh, we're about to find out how uncool our jobs are. Oh, I thought you were going to say how uncool you are. Well, that, that, that too. And just how un- this guy could testify to that, probably. And just how uncool we are as people, maybe, because our guest this week is fresh off a private jet. Oh, really? From uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he... Took in the national championship game Monday, uh, sitting about uh, eight to ten rows, maybe maybe a little more than that, behind noted Texas Tech grad Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he is uh, our most loyal listener, maybe, and perhaps also our biggest critic. He is uh, my brother Brian. Hello, finally, I yes, get a, I get a voice. Awesome, and, and he and he and he came with notes too. So clearly, he's already way more prepared than 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 we normally well, are. We got, this uh, thing. Well, I got to ask about the notes. Like, what are the notes? What's it's, well, it's one of my primary complaints is that topics come up and people don't know what yes. they're talking about. I think that was my initial complaint. Right. Who's going to hold you to account this week if if you say something? I hope you, I hope <laughs> you don't know something this week. <laughs> right. For the, it, for the record, I'm not a stat machine. Okay. More of a pop culture guy. All right. Yeah, he's sort of our version of stat boy, like I'm part of the interaction. Hey, we, need, we, but, need um, our, we need all the help we can get. Yeah. Yeah, but we got into trouble. We were talking about J.R. Smith's tattoos uh, one day, and, oh, yeah. and, was it? and you, Colin, and I didn't know anything <laughs> about it. it. I, that's my fault, because I think I broached that, and I, I didn't even know what I was talking about. I don't even remember what the story was at this point. And and, and we brought it up, and we, none of us knew anything about it, and yeah. we quickly dismissed it. And, and there, 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 there was Brian listening in, saying, "Boy, these guys need some help." Do you so. remember what that story was? Because I yeah. know there was a story about a tattoo he got. Like he almost didn't have any room left on his body for tattoos. He but. got a large tattoo on his lower leg uh, of the Supreme brand, um, and I it, said, know what that it is. said Supreme going down his leg. And the NBA has a, um, they have a policy that you can't t- even right. tattoo another brand on you. Um, you have to cover up the tattoo. So if, you know, if LeBron tattooed the Nike swoosh on him, he'd have to cover it up right. and you know, things like that. Right. All right. Uh, you, Brian works for Under Armour. What is your job title with uh, Under Armour? So I am a collegiate sports marketing manager for Under Armour. I focus on basketball. Men's and women's. Men's and women's basketball. Um, I manage our relationships with seven of our schools, seven of our 20 partnerships. Right. And uh, just to sort of give you an idea of what his weekend was like last week, uh, he reps Texas Tech for Under Armour. They're obviously in the national championship game. He reps Auburn uh, for Under Armour. They were in the final four, just a blink away from being in the national championship game. He also re- represents Notre Dame men's and women. And if, in case you didn't know, the Notre Dame women had another big game on Sunday. They, they played Baylor in the national championship game and barely lost. So what <laughs> what has the past week been like for you? Uh, the, the past two weeks have been pretty crazy. There's a lot of prep work that goes into uh, planning for the postseason in general. Um, but then once teams make it and once you hit the ground in whatever city, uh, I was in Minneapolis uh, for the weekend. We had sent a few other people to Tampa for the women's Final Four. Once you hit the ground, you just you run fast. Um, you, you see the athletic directors, the associate ADs, the equipment managers, the training staff. Everybody's doing everything uh, at about 100 miles an hour. And the days are so packed for the teams – the administrators for corporate partners who are all there. I mean, this is a huge corporate event. Um, the the days are are packed with things to do. Yeah, and what's and, what's your role? Um, my role on the ground is I, I make sure that the teams are taken care of uh, from the gifts that we give them uh, when they reach the NCAA tournament to uh, we we provided them with a gift. Um, for reaching the Final Four, as well as a video message from Steph Curry. Um, I coordinate all the back end of that. Um, uh, I, in my job, my role, I I manage a lot of relationships um, with athletic directors, associate ADs, marketing managers for these athletic departments. And this is in a a time when everybody comes together in the same place at the same time. You're you're more or less in charge of making sure these schools are happy with Under Armour when it comes to basketball, men's and women's. Yes, and that's a year-round job. That's not something that – that's not my goal when I'm in Minnesota. Um, That's a year-round job. How did you – how did basketball become sort of your specialty? Uh, There was a time when when I was doing all sports um, at – more sports at less schools, mm-hmm. and um, and 
Under Armour as a company is kind of siloed out by sport, and uh, it just made more sense to stay with one sport, um, work on it year-round, and uh, and really become ingrained in that sport, speak the language, um, know the product in and out. Um, it, it allows for a lot more focus on, on one particular Yeah, sport. it makes good business sense for sure, yeah. yeah. And as luck would have it, you just picked up Texas Tech as one of your schools, right? Yeah, yeah. This year, Texas Tech's a new school for me. Um, I've been working with Auburn and Notre Dame for a couple of years now. Um, it, it was a great year. It was a, it was a wild ride. How, really. Yeah. How much could you sort of see this coming at all? Well, Texas Tech was ranked in the top 15, I'd say, all year. I think right. one time they dropped outside of the top 15. Auburn was a preseason number eight, I think. Um, and they they had some huge wins. And um, and Notre Dame women's, yeah. we, we expected them to be back in this position. So we uh, – we track it every week. We we send out a weekly report to the company, um, let them know what our teams are doing. For anybody who's not paying as close attention as I am, um, and and we meet on it weekly and and try to anticipate um, what would happen if mm-hmm. a team goes all the way. Mm-hmm. We we should expect that. Mm-hmm. The, the the voice sounds raspier than than usual. Is that <laughs> is that due to a lot of yelling? Were you hitting the SIGs pretty hard in the last week, or, no, no. or what's what's happening? No, um, not my style on the cigarettes, but uh, it's just the kind of the culmination of of six days worth of hard work, long hours. Um, lost my voice a little bit, but there's a lot of a lot of people that you see, and and it's it is nonstop. Give us a, yeah. Give us a picture of the the quality of schmoozing that happens at um, <laughs> my brother is an expert schmoozer. Like this, this, I, this is his specialty. Yeah, by the I way. Know. So I, I will say this. So referring to my notes here. Yes. Um, I don't know if anybody's been to a Final Four city. Uh, if either one of you guys have been, there. I have. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. You they the the amount of preparation that they have to put into this, the infrastructure, closing down streets. Um, uh, you know, bringing in vendors, uh, and then you get there, and everywhere you look, there's a basketball Hall of Famer, a Hall of Fame collegiate coach, an up-and-coming coach. Um, I mean, they're everywhere. If you're a basketball fan, just a fan and unaffiliated, if you just get to that city, you'll have the greatest basketball weekend of your life because you you walk down the street and you see John Calipari talking to a couple people. I was walking behind David Robinson for a couple blocks, which it, he's not a hard man to find. He's, right. he's right. Seven, seven feet tall. tall. Um, it, it It's really incredible the access that you get to these coaches because on a weekend like this, they're just there working. They're doing their jobs. Yeah. And it's like a giant convention, yep. basically. Yeah. Uh, even, even the coaches that don't make the Final Four don't even make the tournament. Like Mount St. Mary's, Jamie and Christian, he would go to the Final mm-hmm. Four every year. Like all every college basketball coach is there. Based just so about. It, wisely, the the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, plans their convention at the same time. Um, it's a time when they get together. They, they you know get their certifications. Um, mm-hmm. They talk about rule changes. It's kind of like. You know, winter meetings or yeah. like the NFL offseason meetings. Mm-hmm. And essentially every coach and every staffer descends on this city. And they all get together at the same time during their biggest event. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but with that being said, you walk into a, the lobby of, of the Hilton, Minnesota, or Minneapolis, and it's, you know, you could see 10 coaches mm-hmm. who – you immediately recognize some of the best coaches in, in college basketball uh, at any time. Yeah, I think Coach Beard of Texas Tech, uh, I mean, they'd never been to the Final Four before. And he was asked, hey, what's it like to be in the Final – what's it like to go to the Final Four? And his response was, I've been to the Final Four like three dozen times already, like over <laughs> yeah. 20 times. But normally I'm sitting in like row Z uh-huh. in section 105 or whatever. I'm not usually on the sideline at the Final Four. So I've been to the Final Four a zillion times, but I've never actually been – to the final four in the position that he was in, obviously. Yeah, I heard an interview with him. I'm I'm a pretty uh, pretty loyal Dan Patrick listener. As am I. And, yeah, big and fan. He was on the show, and uh, and he did. He said, you know, he's a fortunate guy. He he makes a nice paycheck in, in his coaching profession, and every year they go to the final four, and he buys all the all the drinks 
for the weekend in the Final Four, and he had to let his buddies down this year because he couldn't buy the drinks. Speaking of schmoozing and speaking of Dan Patrick, I, my, my phone lit up last week with a little picture from, from Brian. It happened to be, yeah. He, and he was standing with Dan Patrick and and I think an, an, another one of your colleagues at Under Armour. Yeah, that was uh, that was in one of their events that they did. Uh, they had they had a meet and greet at a bar. Was it an NCAA event or no? Or? It was a, it was a Dan Patrick show event. Oh, okay. Um, we we were running around um, trying to take care of some things, and the bar was within our path. Mm-hmm. So we went to uh, we popped in and. Dan and all of the Danettes were just hanging out, drinking beer. That's so cool. Um, yeah. I saw were, the photo. I was like, okay, I'm officially jealous of Brian now. <laughs> <laughs> That's, this is one that I've had on my bucket list for a long time. I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate that I, I get a lot of access, and um, and I, I find myself in positions where I'm standing next to somebody who I usually watch on yeah. TV or, or, or a legend. Um but this one has kind of been elusive. Uh, I, I, yeah, really how did you get how did you get invited to this party? It was publicly uh, put out there. Yeah, you they, can, they they invite the public to these. Okay, events. so you don't have to be you, you don't have, you don't have to yeah. be as somebody to, to so get like to get in. Yeah, right? okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was a fan event, um, and it, it, they were really natural. Um, Dan was Dan was pretty much there to shake everybody's hand, and then each of the Danettes. We're kind of posted up, mm-hmm. drinking a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you walk up to them, you introduce yourself. Uh, I kind of lean on my Under Armour mm-hmm. um, experience uh, as a conversation starter. And it, it puts me, I think, in a different place than just a standard fan who wants to go up and say, hey, I love your show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sparked up a conversation with Paul Paps, mm-hmm. Paulie, um, and probably talked to him for about 20 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's a little surreal. But until you realize that these guys are just normal guys who are working in the industry. Yeah, let's talk about Paul Paps for a second. Now, he, out of all the four Danettes, is he kind of gets on my nerves the most with with his sort of his attitude a little bit. But my God, that guy—I don't think anybody understands. He's a producer, and he a lot of times you'll see Dan Patrick on the phone, and he'll be interviewing whoever the subject is, and a lot of times they're like the big names of the moment, and. Paul Paps is a lot of times the guy who's in Dan's ear saying, hey, ask him this. And you can't hear that because Paul's mic is off. But you see Paul talking. The, the subject may be talking during the interview. Dan's listening, and then Paul chimes into his ear and says, hey, wait, wait, wait. he said something, and then he'll feed him a question. Now, it doesn't happen all the time because Dan's obviously excellent at what he does. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people realize the value of someone like him on a show like that. Yeah, he fills, he fills in the gaps that Dan might miss. Yeah. And so. he's got incredible recall, too. Dan will yeah. talk about when, when did we – yeah. Uh, interview Kevin Millar, and he talked about this yeah. subject. And he'll come up with a date. He'll say, "I, yeah. think, I think it was April of uh, you know 2011." And, yeah. and he's right. And on. And a lot of times, within like 20 seconds, they have it yeah. or something. Yeah, it, you know that that was one of the highlights of my week. And That's I'm so saying cool. this having gone to the Final Four games, having gone to the national championship game. But I'm I'm such a fan. I don't miss yeah. it. I don't miss a day. Yeah. I'm, I'm a podcast listener, but I don't miss a day. I don't miss a show. And to to meet these guys in person mm-hmm. was, was really really cool. And the TV show you watch every day is part of the interruption. And and we and Brian's the one that recently right. set up the. Part of, inter- part of the interruption experience uh, for 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 uh, myself and and him, we got to meet Mike and Tony, and they were both great. Tony just <laughs> speak. Um, I'm going to make you sound like a real big timer. Tony just called you on your cell phone, thanking you for for a, for a gift basket you sent him. So yeah, I mean, it, it's another one of those things where uh, I'm just I'm in a fortunate position in my job where uh, I have I I find myself at Northwestern games. I've I've met Mike Wilbon a few times, and, and he's yeah. obviously a really nice, generous guy. He invited me to come down, and um, and I was a nice, generous guy and invited my brother to come with me. And, <laughs> Clearly, uh, yes. And, yeah. You're a much better-looking brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come across via podcast, but it's true. Believe me. <laughs> Brian um, was the one non-bald guy. In, uh, I was going to ask in, you about in, that. In, yeah. in the studio. It's, so. it's happening slowly. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and just to be clear, like March Madness is like your Super Bowl for your job. I mean, I mean, we're just talking about this last weekend, but the, in the two weeks before that, you were at tournament sites. Yeah. If uh, I, I was thinking about this on my way uh, out to Frederick today, where if I'm looking at my my travel schedule, I've I've taken 22 flights between January 21st and now. Um, 
and my basketball schedule, my postseason basketball schedule, I was in Vegas for the Pac-12, um, Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament, Chicago for the Big 10 tournament, Greensboro for the Women's ACC tournament. Uh, and then I hit Salt Lake City for the first round tournaments, um, which had a couple of our teams, uh, New Mexico State, Northeastern, and Auburn, uh, all Under Armour teams. Um, I went from Salt Lake to Tulsa to see Texas Tech. Uh, in, in, the the same week, in the same weekend, yeah. In the same weekend. Um, then I hit uh, Chicago for Notre Dame women's and Kansas City for the second round games, for the Sweet Six, 16 games. And, uh, and then the following week, I was in Minneapolis. So the, uh, I, I try not to plan any personal events from about March 1st to about April 1st. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you've gotten pretty good at living out of a suitcase, too. Uh, you, would, you would be amazed at how well I pack my suitcase. How efficiently, suitcase. right. <laughs> but you like to travel. This is not like a grind of, for you. I do, and, and, you know, I don't have a dog. I don't have a child. Um, I've got a girlfriend, but she's, she understands what this time of year sure. entails as well. So. And she benefits from your companion pass that you get from, she from, does. from, from, from logging all these uh, airline miles. I get a little bit of status there, which is nice. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm in a, I'm in a good position in my life where I can, where I yeah. can travel this much. And, uh, I'm sure at some point if, uh, if I do get married and have kids, this could get old mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm sure my life will change a little bit then, but for now, let's keep the foot on the gas mm -hmm. pedal. All right. The final four was at a uh, U.S. bank stadium in Minneapolis. Uh, Josh is, uh, I'm sure, you know, Brian, it was a, is a huge Minnesota Vikings fan. What? Is that stadium? What is that building like? Yeah, I was going to ask. I, you, I've, like, heard, I've heard nothing but rave reviews and, about it. And I've been to Minnesota before the stadium was built. The new stadium was built, and I was impressed at the the city and the cleanliness of the city, and just how easy it was to navigate it. I mean, and we didn't spend a lot of time there, but it was so great because we were at a hotel, and then you got on. You would walk down from the hotel and get on the the, the skywalk, the skywalk, or mm -hmm. that, or there was this the sub, not even the subway, but it was. I can't remember what it was. It, it would take you right to the stadium. I mean, you know, right downtown, and you just got off right outside the stadium. Well, we were fortunate. Um, I think I think they're scheduled to get a lot of snow this week. It was like oh six. Gosh. It was like sixty degrees and, yeah. and sunny for a lot of my trip. Um, so I was on the street level for a good bit of it. But Minnesota is set up in, in a very unique way that you can you can get through the entire city without setting foot outside, yep. which I imagine is a necessity for a lot of the year. Yep. Um, the stadium's beautiful. Uh, it doesn't look like a football stadium. Mm -hmm. um, I was particularly impressed with the speed at which we could get in the stadium through security. I wasn't showing up extra early or you yeah. know, after tip-off. I was right in the meat of it. Yeah, We got in quickly, got to your seats easily. I was really, really impressed with that um, because I was anticipating a nightmare. Right. Um, 75,000 people coming to the games and – um, and they were all walking down the street with me, it felt like. Um, but once we got into the stadium, uh, it's beautiful. It's open. Um, they have these monster screens at each, in each end zone, which they actually turned off during the games because I think it was going to be – I think they turned it off because it would be in the sight lines sure, of the players. Um, the, ro the roof is, like, translucent, Yeah, we right? also heard uh, they had curtains up, right? They right. curtains. Yeah, and I, I – this was just something I heard. I can't confirm this, but I heard they spent millions to tarp the windows, yeah. um, which you could tell when you were in the building. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it would have only affected the first Final Four game. Right. Uh, it sounds like an incredible uh, undertaking, undertaking yeah. for one game. But I, when you think about the return that the city's getting and the return that, yeah. that they're getting in the stadium for this, they also bring in a massive amount of temporary seating. Mm -hmm. um, it was a little challenging to navigate the stadium because of that, because typical section 130, uh, where all the signage is pointing you there for a football game, uh, the sections are different, the seating is different, um, but they they had a ton of people there to help out. I mean, it, it was a it was a very very well run event, mm -hmm. and the stadium was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, I saw that he posted that he was at the Final Four too, and he called it the best facility in the nfl even surpassing 
Cowboy Stadium in he's Arlington biased, and, and, and stuff Minnesota. like that. He, he is, but but he <laughs> but he's, he he said this. It was his first time there, and he said the stadium just yeah. just blew him away because. So, I mean, everything's great about it. They have all the bells and whistles that you want. It's it's a state of the art with with the windows and some of the stuff they do. So until the the big stadium in L.A. is completed, right, right, right and that'll blow everything uh, off the map. And so I was really impressed that I got service. I got good service nice. in the stadium the entire time. Hmm. So I can all of my hundreds of followers on social media could <laughs> actively enjoy what I was enjoying. In real time. Who has more Twitter followers between you two brothers? No, it's me but by a lot, but he has way more Instagram followers than I do. So um, I'm not much to follow on Twitter. Okay. I'm not that exciting. Right. So what was it like in the building on Monday night for the championship game? Um, it was – for Monday night, uh, it was electric. Um, the To go back to the final four games, um, the first thing you notice is that the, the early game, the stadium was half full. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the first game tipped off at five ten. Uh, I knew because I was on uh, I was on the inside of some information that Michigan State and Texas Tech weren't even leaving their hotels until five forty five that day. So their sections were were mm-hmm. virtually empty. Um, and then I I had uh, tickets through the Auburn team block. We we get those contractually, mm-hmm. and uh, and they they were good seats. And even in good seats, you were really far away from the court. Yeah, it's it's a much different experience sitting in a football stadium watching a mm-hmm. basketball game. Were, were you watching the court most of the time, or are you watching the big screens most of the time? I was watching the court, but you immediately go up to the big screen to see what actually happened to 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 get the small details of of the play. Um, they uh, the Auburn game was pretty heartbreaking. Um, I was I was going to ask you about that. Just the way that ended with with the double dribble that wasn't called, and then the foul, which was a legitimate foul. I mean, you can't close out on someone, and it's someone that's up in the air on a jump shot. So none of us in stadium, well, I'll speak for the people around around me. Nobody called out the double dribble. Yeah, that was a television thing, I think, um, because in stadium it just looked like you fumbled the ball. Picked it back up and kept going. I don't. Uh, the the people around me and my, myself included um, didn't have the yeah. educated eye yeah. to see that he picked it up with two hands. And I, well, I was actually driving in here, listening to it on the radio, and the broadcast, the national broadcast, did not make a big deal out of it at all. They just said, yeah. "Oh, and he fumbles the ball. Oh, and he repossesses it." And there was no talk of a. And the uh, the following play, I mean, he gets the shot off from my vantage point. I was on the opposite side of the court. Um, pretty high up, we thought Auburn won the game. Mm-hmm. The entire Auburn section thought Auburn won the game. I was sitting there. And you can't hear the whistle. Couldn't hear the whistle. Um, it was pandemonium afterwards. And all of a sudden, you don't see anybody celebrating on the court. And it went from the happiest moment in a lot of people's lives, as sports lives, to one of the most crushing moments. It was like a factory of sadness. I know that's I'm stealing from Cleveland on right, that, right. but but that's what it felt like because it people were just flattened by this. Um, the only other moment I've ever experienced like this was I went to the Steelers Patriots game two years ago, where it was the Jesse James over the line. And that was a regular season game, but still, it was a regular yeah. season game with tough, a lot on the line. Loss. And then we thought we were going to win the game and bend through that interception, and the stadium went quiet. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what happened mm-hmm. here. Um, but uh, how well do you know the kid? I, I, forgive me for not. There's another thing I don't know right off the bat here. Who's the kid who committed the foul? Um, I so I don't know the players very well. I don't, I don't yeah. do I don't do a lot with players right. unless there is like a particular injury and we have to to, to right. help assess help the injury with, exactly. and find something um, that works. So I, I don't know the players very well. I think. Personally, I think he was very well-spoken after yeah. the game. Um, I think Bruce Pearl was very well-spoken. Yeah. Um, and, and that obviously projects to his players. Yeah. Um, because they said the right things, and they, uh, without much of a cool-down period like they do in the NFL, these guys had cameras in their faces, and they, and they were mature. That's, and and that, I was really impressed. That is impressive because they are kids. You mm-hmm. know, people he, forget that. He, even Charles Barkley, right afterwards, said he's like, "I want to cry right now for Auburn because he's an Auburn grad, but but I but I can't take away I can't take anything away from Virginia." Yeah. So, 
So so even he had a great response to how it happened. They have, they have a gripe with the double dribble. They don't have a gripe with the foul because because that was a foul. Did you did you think that Kyle Guy was going to make all three of those free throws? I I had a sneaky feeling that he was because the energy in the building was just all moving in that direction. And what I learned throughout the entire weekend is that Virginia doesn't miss a lot of free throws. And he's an icy, icy player. He just is so cool. I I love watching him play. He wasted no time on the free throw line. Even when he got iced, he came out, took one dribble, made his shot. Um, So that that was a bit of a heartbreaker. Um, But what did you do? I mean, so Auburn's out and they lose. But what did you do? Change your T-shirt or change your your shirt uh, between games? Because now now you're on board with Texas Tech afterwards. uh, That's correct. And I I do an incredible job of of remaining very neutral, and especially in my dress. Um, I I wear a lot of grays and blacks on game day. Um, But it's true. I mean, I I root for everybody. I've found that in my current position – um, you know, t- I'm, I'm 11 years at Under Armour, um, and about five years in my current position. I've lost my collegiate fandom. Um, I'm a graduate of the University of South Carolina. When I was leaving school, I thought I was going to be a diehard South Carolina fan my entire life. And I still root for South Carolina, but now I've got so many relationships and I've, I've seen so many games with so many other schools that I, I don't have a rooting interest in a particular team or school and, anymore. Yeah, you've um, seen it at a, at a personal level in, in so many different places, probably. No, I mean, as Josh and I could tell you, you could lose your sports fandom somewhat doing, oh, yeah. d- d- doing this job. Very so yeah. so I, I'm, I'm still a huge sports fan, obviously, but but I know Josh is, is sort of waned, waned, a, little waned, bit, waned yeah. a little bit at least. Yeah. So, yeah. It's natural. It's just, it's just work at, at some point, you know? Right. And, and I, I find myself – at games, I find you know Saturday yeah. Saturday football games. I'll be attending a game, or the first two rounds of March Madness. I'm sitting in a stadium, and I'm not getting the experience of watching my team on TV. Um, I maybe my only complaint about my my travel throughout March Madness is that I don't get that Thursday Friday of March Madness where I'm sitting yeah. and watching six TVs at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting in an arena watching one amazing game. But I don't see the the full breadth of the tournament. And and from our readership, we get a lot of interest in the in in the women's tournament too. And and you experienced that last year too. You had a, you had an amazing run with with the Notre Dame women last year, and them hitting those crazy shots uh, to to win their Final Four game and the national championship game. And you even got a got a ring and, and got to <laughs> got to pose with the trophy. I mean, not that you could compare the women's tournament to the men's, but just what was that experience like with the Notre Dame women last year? It was. Uh, there are two moments in my life that I can say uh, from a live sporting event are the greatest sports moments I've ever seen. And when Enrique Ogumbawale hit that three-pointer to win the national championship, um, it, it was unbelievable. I, she did it. The fact that she did it in back-to-back games, um, in the situation that she did it, and I, I was fully invested at that mm-hmm. point, and it was it was incredible. Um uh, what she did and what the team did and and what they almost pulled off this mm-hmm. year um it, it was it was really yeah. did you, did you amazing. get to watch the game on sunday night or i did i did there wasn't anything going on at the time i made sure my schedule was clear and uh essentially sat by myself to watch the game so i could so i could be fully focused so these three coaches are so you have muffet mcgraw who's fantastic bruce mm-hmm. pearl who's you know highly regarded and this new up-and-coming guy, Chris Beard, who's I guess nationally is becoming more well-known. Can you can you give us any like? I'm sure you've taken in lots of practices and stuff over the years from these teams. What can you tell us? Any stories uh, that stick out in your mind? Or like one or? I, I don't have any particular stories, but I think there's the the common thread. The red thread is uh, a hyper focus and a high intensity. Um, Everything that all three of these coaches do, and this kind of goes for all, all of the coaches that I work with, um, they've got things plotted out, planned out. Um, everything's to a T, mm-hmm. what they want to do. It's scheduled. It's done with a purpose. Um, there's no lollygagging around. There's, they have a staff who's got them prepared, who's got the players prepared, and the, and the coach comes in and executes the plan, mm-hmm. whether that's, on a game day, at a practice, um, during a walkthrough, it, it's it's machine like. I mean, everything yeah. everything happens on schedule. So. Yes, um, you know, I, their on court personalities are are very very different. Um, one of one of my 
favorite things to do is sit behind the, the bench at a Mick Cronin coached game. I mean, he's animated. Um, and and uh, I don't think anybody in the building has a higher blood pressure than Mick during a game. <laughs> but but it's effective, and, mm-hmm. and, and he's not like that uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but during game days, that intensity ramps up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that about every coach that I meet, mm-hmm. um, they're there for a reason. They're getting paid a lot of money for a reason. And it's because they have an incredible way of focusing and getting that same kind of focus out of their players. Mm-hmm. So, some of Brian's coolest Under Armour stories have nothing to do with college basketball. Under Armour for years, they, they, they might still or, or they might get back to it. They, ha- they had a tent uh, at the Preakness every mm-hmm. year where, where they brought in a lot of their high-profile athletes and stuff. And at one particular Preakness, a particular athlete asked Brian for some advice on which horse uh, to, to bet to bet on. So, sh- are you an, are you an expert uh, on the ponies? Not at all. But but, but share share this story. Uh, we we invite a lot of our our athletes and, and coaches and, and VIPs. This was a, a previous event. We're we're not doing that uh, this year, but. Um, I'm there to host my coaches and my athletic directors. Uh, and I was standing, it was about to be the, the 12th race, the Preakness race. And I'm standing on the top step of the tent. And I look to my left and Tom Brady had just walked out the door and is standing next to me. And he looks over at, at me and the, the two people I'm standing with. And he said, I just got a great tip on the four horse. He, sa- he said, um, I, I just put you know X amount of money on the four horse. And uh, I was at the time... A, particularly salty about the Patriots yeah. as are most people. Yeah. And Especially a Steelers fan like yourself. Yeah. And I mean, they were, they were the thing standing in the way of the Steelers getting to the Super Bowl most years. And when that four horse came in like second to last place, <laughs> I like patted him on the shoulder. I said, so much for that four horse, Tom, <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady in his difficult life <laughs> ha- had a major setback there. I'd, I'd so. re- I had to reach way up to that's pat on so, his shoulder. That's got to be so weird. You know, here's a guy that we've all watched, you know, time and again and just seen on TV uh, doing incredible things. And he just walks up next to you. And, yeah. And that's, and that's part of that whole, like, yeah. I just find myself in, in situations that was, wasn't Mike, wasn't Mike, themselves. wasn't Mike Tyson uh, at that Preakness too? Or, yeah. Oh yeah. Did, did you, did you get a chance to say hi to him or, or just wave no, at him? Or? No. And, and I, we try really hard to, to let these guys be and, and yeah. all of our athletes be. So, um, so we don't, we don't do a lot of the fan stuff and, and things like right. that. Right. And there may or may not have been a flip cup game with Lindsey Vaughn and, uh, uh, Jordan Spieth. No, so, he's shaking his head. Yeah, so he doesn't, um, he doesn't recall that. No, no, but uh, there's proof once again, ladies and gentlemen, that Tom Brady doesn't win at everything. Uh, <laughs> in, in, I was in, there for it in life. So, um, oh, getting back, you you did ask me about the championship game. Yeah, and and that's well, kind of, what was it? Like when, so Auburn loses, but then Texas Tech wins. So how does your emotion change when when your school wins and gets to the final? Yeah, I mean, well, my my attitude changed a little bit from a corporate perspective that we had just gotten close to getting one team in the national championship and now we're we're pulling really hard for that second team uh it, it's we've never had more than one team in the final four um and we're we're potentially putting our first men's team in, in the national championship um uh, you, you kind of go all in I, I i try and watch every game um and as if i'm sitting in the press box i'm not trying to get overly emotional um, for for anybody against anybody, uh, I I try and watch the game as in with an analytical eye and um, and just kind of quietly. Uh, but after the game, you you shake everybody's hand, you say congratulations, and then you start thinking about the next game to come. Yeah. Um, but it was it was exciting. It was it was a pretty electric atmosphere, and um. The the team or the the fans of the other team stick around and kind of choose a side, and they're always rooting for the underdog mm-hmm. in these situations. So, Texas Tech was getting a lot of love in stadium. Mm-hmm. I think they were they were getting a lot of love from the Auburn fans. They're getting probably getting a lot of love from the Virginia fans from from the uh, from the game before. Uh, everybody wants to see the upset. So it was a uh, it was a great game. That was that was the game that they kept going to Mahomes, who was sitting. 15 rows in front of me and uh 
And as a Steeler fan, an even more interesting person was sitting about eight rows in front of me, and that was Le'Veon Bell. Um, he's a Michigan State grad. He was coming to support his team. Uh, and he was wearing his sunglasses in an indoor stadium. And, uh, and I thought, man, I, I've got a lot to, I'd like to say to that guy, yeah. but did, yeah. did, did you punch him in the face or? Nope. Nope. He was, he's pretty big. And, uh, I don't think that's the one guy I'd pick a fight with, but, uh, just kind of observed from afar. If Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were sitting in front of you, which one would you want to punch in the face more? <laughs> At the moment, Antonio Brown, I, I understand why Le'Veon Bell did what he yeah. did. Um, and I don't, I don't fault him for it. Um, Antonio Brown and I would have a little bit of beef right now. <laughs> now, 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 hold on a second here. Patrick Mahomes was wearing an Under Armour shirt. He was for, for Saturday. Right. And he was wearing an Under Armour shirt on, on Monday as well. But he's not an Under Armour athlete, though. He, uh, he worked no. for, for Adidas. So he had a clever little clever way of getting around it because he put like an Adidas sticker yeah. over, his, over his Under Armour logo. How, when that happens, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, do, do you care? Or? I, like, I, I love it. That personally, I, I'm not speaking for the company here, but I love healthy competition. Yeah, and I laugh at it, and I, I think it's funny, and it it tells me that he knows. It, it, he's and a, Adidas he's would aware, be, and Adidas yeah. is aware. I'm yeah. sure somebody said something. Yeah, to him. it's almost like the Jordan Dream Team, you know, warm up. You know, the Reebok was the Dream Team's warm up, and he was obviously Air Jordan, Nike, and he had to zip zipper down. You right. remember this story? Yeah, right? oh. during the medal ceremony and you have a great picture of michael jordan too because yeah. my brother worked for under armor has a contract with a lot of the game officials i, I think football F football officials. football game officials and there's a picture of an official uh posing with michael jordan and jordan's got his hand over the un under oh. armor logo that, that, that the official's wearing so I, I love it personally because it's that's funny. it's healthy competition Everybody in the world says Michael Jordan's the most competitive person they know, mm -hmm. and that is speaks you know, to it. It, it speaks to that. It, it reflects in that. Right. So uh, a, a lot of the bigwigs uh, came into town. Uh, Kevin Plank, I know, uh, was was in town for that uh, for, for that game. Would they have come into town anyway, or did they, did they were they there for the whole weekend, or did they come in when Texas Tech made the Final Four? Um, in and out a little bit. Uh, they they came in for both games, um, but I. I can't speak to if they would come in, mm -hmm. right. um, whether our teams were in it or not. They go to a lot of the big sporting events, so uh, I'm not really sure. But it, it was certainly elevated uh, because of the historic, um, you know, right weight of the event for for the sure. company. And that's that's how you got your nice ride uh, home too. <laughs> so what <laughs> was not complaining? Right, <laughs> was not complaining about that. Um, the, the championship game was incredible, though. Um, the the energy was significantly higher in in the building um the seats were filled there was a buzz the people were cheering louder you know, after that when you have four fan bases in the in the stadium for the final four um and you and then the real diehards come in i mean i heard stories of people driving 1500 mm -hmm. miles dropping everything after after texas tech uh, won their Final Four game and driving to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I mean, it's that's insane. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that um, I probably wouldn't do it as a diehard fan, but yeah. there are people who are willing to drive, you know, fifteen hours to come see their team on this stage and pay a lot of money and sit in some nosebleed seats. Yeah, I remember like a couple of years ago <laughs> when the Vikings were in the championship game, um, the NFC championship game. Before the game, I went to my neighbor's house, and we were just BSing, and he's like, so if they win, are you going to the Super Bowl? And I was like, no. <laughs> Wouldn't I, like, I'm not going to just drop God knows how many thousands Probably of Probably three grand at least. And he's like, well, you know, they're only going to be there. You know, How many times are they going to be there if they make it? Well, that's true, but it's a pretty good seat on my couch. And, and, and imagine if you do that. Less expensive, too. And it's a loss. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, yeah, like I, I what, don't want to deal with what, that. What did those Denver Broncos fans yeah. pay when Peyton, in Peyton Manning's Super Bowl where that, that first dogs, ball right. sailed past game his head? Was over and like the game was over in less than a quarter. Well, yeah. well speaking of uh, the aftermath of a loss, how did it compare from the Auburn loss Saturday to the Texas Tech loss on Monday? Um, well, the Auburn loss – from just from being in the stands uh, in that perspective, the Auburn loss was a heartbreaker, and people felt like they were robbed um, because we we didn't have the replay and the double mm -hmm. dribble and and the outrage for that 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 was to follow in the next couple of days. Um, it was just there were a lot of people who were stunned 
after the Auburn loss. The Texas Tech uh, fans, I think, quickly thought to themselves, you know, that was a that was a tough game. We fought until the end, but what an incredible season! There was a little bit more of a a positive um, feeling in the air after Texas Tech lost because they weren't expected to be there. Um, they knew they gave it everything they had. They didn't feel robbed. Um, you know, one thing that I'd love to see is a major sporting event finish without an officiating blunder, snafu, snafu the officials taking center stage. Um, we, we, we'd like to see one start before 930. Eastern time. I, I, I was, yeah, I was not happy on Monday. Night. I agree with you there. So, so you have this whole list of uh, notes here. Uh, well, so I'm curious what's on your sheet there, or what, what, what do you want to chat about? Well, I I did take some notes about uh, about the Final Four. We've hit a lot of that, mm-hmm. um, but I, I assumed we would talk golf this week. Josh's uh, that's my, favorite. That's my cue to exit. <laughs> right, Josh's <laughs> favorite subject, but it's Masters Week. Right. Um, well, we could do that scene or two BC. Why, why, why don't we do that? So. I, I literally only put Masters on my okay, sheet, though. I yeah. didn't take any notes you on were, that. You were supposed to go to the Masters on Tuesday, but but darn it, Texas Tech made the final, and, and, you, and you weren't able to go. Yeah, but I had to cancel a personal trip um, to take care of work things, but it, it wasn't. Such an arduous life. It's nothing that I'm going to complain right. about. Um, you've, been, did, you've been you've been to the Masters before. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate. I won uh, I won passes in the Masters lottery for last year's tournament and i went to uh the wednesday practice round and the thursday competition round and uh and i've been twice before um just kind of on a whim i I knew somebody in the industry who was able to get me a pass wow a a practice round of golf yeah there's not one place i would (laughs) i I would not want to be there i I think a a million other places i would rather be than a practice and and you know the practice rounds are almost more coveted than the the competition rounds for a couple reasons you can actually interact with some of the players you you get a little bit of access with the players they'll stop they'll talk they'll sign an autograph or two you can bring a camera on the course you can't bring your cell phone uh, inside the gates but you can bring a camera um, and it's your only opportunity inside the gates of Augusta National to take pictures. Um, you can take pictures of players, you know, while they're playing. You can take pictures of. I, I've got a couple amazing pictures from a, a crappy little camera that I had right. of Amen Corner, and you right. know, my dad and I are standing at Amen Corner. Um, so it that it gives you a unique. Uh, uh, a little bit of access to the yeah, event. Yeah, it's an opportunity that's uh, otherwise unavailable. All right, but for Josh's sake, enough, uh, enough with the go- <laughs> enough with the golf. What else yeah, you got? Yeah, this is our podcast. Uh, right. All right. Oh, well, what else you got? And I, I admitted to Greg on the way in. I've, I've been so hyper focused on basketball, um, college basketball, that I haven't been paying attention to much more. But the story that I can't get away from is Chris Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm an Orioles fan. Uh, you know, I was born in Pittsburgh, so I'm, I'm Steelers, I'm Penguins. I will stick up for Greg. Yeah, I'm wearing my shirt. Playoff start I, tonight. I know. Ba- I never, playoff start I, tonight, baby. I had no idea. Greg is actually a Penguins fan. Yeah, Colin and Josh gave me such a hard time. I think it's probably largely because I I don't follow hockey closely, so I don't talk. Greg and I talk about a lot of stuff, but we don't talk about hockey. Right. We're not sitting We're not sitting here breaking down the Stanley Cup playoffs yeah. uh, very often by ourselves. So, yeah. um, But but the, I, I just can't get my head wrapped around what the Orioles – are doing with Chris Davis and what they, or maybe even what they should be doing wouldn't, with Chris Davis. Wouldn't you have just bunted to get to pr- make sure that your name wasn't attached to that record? Well, I, I does a bunt does a bunt count as a hit with yeah, that? Okay, it would. It, it, it's going to come to that, I think. And he's he's done it in the past, but um, I, I'm. What are they going to do with him? What should they do with him? I, I I firmly believe, and I said this last week. I think he's going to get benched a lot because that's largely because Buck's gone. Mm-hmm. Dan Dutek Duquette is gone. He was a Buck Showalter guy, and Buck was not, you know, he tried to give him some chances last year. He gave him a couple of weeks off. Obviously, it didn't work. Brandon Hyde does not have ties to him and doesn't have allegiance to him, other than the fact that he's a veteran. And is, he's a pretty good clubhouse guy from all accounts, and he's a, obviously a decent first base. The only reason that he's but, still on the team is because of his contract. That is the only yeah. reason. So he is he's not going to play as much anywhere close to the number of games that he's played in the past when he's healthy. My my question is, why is he still on the big league ball club? Why can't we get him to, 
you know, the development league to just yeah. work on his swing. You know, send him to Frederick. Yeah. And, and send him he strikes to, out in Frederick. I've send, seen I've seen him play. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen him play in Frederick. Send him to so. Aberdeen. I mean, send him to short season because A-ball. he has to agree to it. Yeah. And but work your problems out in front of a small audience right. and not a national audience, right. and you're not going to be coming up on PTI. You're not going to be coming up on the Dan Patrick Show. Yeah. And. I feel bad for Chris Davis because he's obviously trying to work through it, yeah. and he's a, a little bit of a laughing stock right now. What do you, What are your thoughts? I, I read something this week, and I kind of skimmed through it. I don't remember. I think it was a Bleacher Report article. I don't remember who wrote it, but it was all about like, what? Don't boo Chris Davis. Don't tell me who I can <laughs> boo. Okay, especially when we're talking about this guy. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm I would I would absolutely boo him if I if I go to an Oriole game this year. I will boo him if he strikes out because I mean I'm sorry. He he's he's lost it. Um, he, he's lost my allegiance as a fan, and I don't know. I don't know how he, how he gets it back. I really don't. As, as he was setting this record, he was smiling like as he was being put out. But I think he was just happy he made contact on on the two yeah. plays that he actually set the record with, and he didn't set it with like a strikeout looking yeah. or something like that. And I don't want to so. sound like some cold hearted jerk because I understand that it's obviously weighed on him and is is he, he's you know probably battling some sorts of depression over this. And I, I've read stories about how it's affected his personal life, but. That's what you sign for. Sign up for when you sign that 160 million dollar contract. Well, the nice thing about when you boo at Camden Yards is they can actually hear they you. They can. Yeah, they can hear each can hear individual you're fan saying. there because we're we're bringing in about 6,500. Smallest a game. crowd in stadium history the other night. Out, outside of the game where they had no they, fans. They had, they had, right. <laughs> they closed o- the open gates. attendance. They had to qualify that. Is the lo- smallest attendance for an open attendance game. That actually surprises me. I mean, I live I live in downtown mm-hmm. Baltimore. There is some excitement about this team. There's yeah. a, there's some buzz. It, Last year, it was really everybody was down on this team. So I was surprised that uh, I was out of town, but I know it was a nice night. Yeah. It was a Monday. You're playing, I think, Oakland, where it's a good team. Right. Um, I, I was a little shocked that, that people aren't showing up. But then again, I'm not shocked. Yeah. The, the product I, that we're putting out there is not great. And, yeah, and again, like the amount of money you have to drop to go to an average ball game and the quality that you may be getting for that buck is uh, – yeah, it's it's a deterrent for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what else is on your list there? Um, I, I have a scene or two to be seen. I've got some people to put oh, on. Oh, nice. People to put on the it. boat. I you, love you, it. You were talking about revamping our, our boat because it's getting a little too crowded. What, we might need to do some, make some changes. Yeah. So, so what, what, what's your idea with that? Well, I think the, there are a couple people on the boat that we've we've named captain of the boat. Uh, I mean, there are some real standouts on this boat. Um <laughs> We could keep naming them over and over again. <laughs> exactly. that's, that's become the problem, yeah. And and I think guys like LeVar Ball. Yeah, and, charter member. And my pick this week, who is Antonio Brown, um, who I know he's already on the boat. He is. I'm interested in signing these guys up for the mission to Mars. We could do that. Uh, I mean, this boat Fire might. Fire them off on a rocket. This boat's going yeah, this this boat's boat's to sink be, pretty soon. The boat's going to be, or it's going to be found, and these people are going to come back into They're our lives somehow. Back. You know the seas are only so big, so let's let's sign these guys up for the mission to Mars. You know Antonio Brown is a why is a, why stop at Mars? Why not like Pluto or even yes. a, a planet further away? You're right. Some of these guys, they're gonna the, the boat is just not enough. Like yeah. like, like you might yeah. be able to sustain life on Mars. Like uh, <laughs> so, so, so 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 why stop yeah, with Mars? Send him send him to the sun. Why not one uh, or somewhere I'll be like sure that? Never so. come back then. Right. Um, Antonio Brown is my is yeah. my vote for the mission to Mars. I love it. Um, I, it's a really obvious pick this week. Um, I had Paul Pierce floating around there as a possibility. I heard. Didn't he say something a little questionable? Yeah, and 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 I, it's, he just can't get over the fact that he's not playing anymore. And, yeah, and he can't let somebody else get the glory. Yeah, um, it was, wasn't it Dwayne Wade? Well, it was Dwayne Wade, and and, yeah. and he says that he's a better player than Dwayne. He's Wade. not had a better career. He's yeah. not. He, he yeah. did. He didn't. <laughs> just let Dwayne have his moment. He's well. Yeah. He's been having his moment the entire season, <laughs> but let Dwayne have his moment and. Just stay in your lane on this one. Good call. I like that. Magic is uh, is gearing up for a mission to Mars too. <laughs> I think man. you're right. Yeah, Ma- Magic, Ma- Magic, and LeBron in the total dumpster fire. The the Lakers have been a dumpster fire all season, but the, but this week it even uh, went to a further level yeah. with Magic just quitting on the Lakers without even telling his bosses that he was doing a press conference resigning. So this whole LeBron experiment has been. <laughs> 
fiasco and a half. I think they should get rid of LeBron and trade LeBron because he's yeah. the sort. He's the, this all started when he came on the team. They were a nice young. They had some nice young players. They were developing. Then they went all in on LeBron, and it's been a total train wreck ever since. My problem. So. I, I I agree with you about, about Magic, and he's a hard guy to criticize, but. Uh, you have to criticize the Lakers for bringing him in. You have to look at who he is and what kind of a businessman he is and how many irons he has in the fire. He has He's an incredible businessman. He is a company and he's worth billions of dollars and has a lot going on. The idea that he could sit down and focus and be a personnel boss. Or he's going to go on some scouting trip to like right. Yugoslavia or, or so, somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, the idea that that's going to happen is ludicrous and that's the Lakers fault and it's his fault for agreeing to do it with all that he has going on in his life. He complained yesterday. He's like, Oh, you know, they won't let me talk about uh, such and such player because it's tampering and da da da. It's like, you should have known all of that ahead of time, dude. Well, the Lakers are run by Jeannie Buss, Who's the daughter of uh, the late Jerry Buss, who was like the architect of their great team, the Showtime yeah. Lakers, which is now 30 years ago. I mean, yeah. we're going to make ourselves sound old, but the Showtime Lakers are 30 years ago. So what does she do? She hires Magic, who's their great player from the past. She hires Rob Palenka to be Magic's right-hand man, who's Kobe Bryant's agent. She hires Luke Walton as the coach. Luke Walton is like the prized pupil of Phil Jackson, who happens to be Jeannie Buss's boyfriend. Are they still? I, I, I think yeah. so. So she's done nothing but hire people that are connected to their glorious past that have nothing to do with their future. She signed LeBron, an older player with lots of miles, just because he's LeBron James. Yep. So this whole thing has been driven by nostalgia and not like smart basketball decisions. So it's no surprise that they're in the position that they're in and they're then they're not going to make the playoffs. So uh, I have a couple people to throw on the boat that I don't think are on the boat yet. So Nice. Let's do it. Go for it. Uh, two of them are Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Who have been bickering with each other for the, like the last two I swear weeks? I've thrown Aaron Rodgers on the boat. May, probably, maybe. maybe not Mike McCarthy, who yeah, who met either. with the team after being fired, who yeah. like did a walk around of the stadium at Lambeau Field after being fired, who's now come out with this these interviews criticizing the Packers after being fired. Now people are criticizing him. What, so, he, what was the quote he gave? Is like he couldn't have, it couldn't have been handled worse. I'm like, right. sorry, dude, you got fired. Like, how great you, are you? Yeah, this yeah. Experience you could you couldn't have handled it any worse. <laughs> either yeah. um, in, in the meantime so i don't think mike, mike mccarthy's on the boat maybe maybe aaron Rodgers is but just i'm sick of this squabbling Did you read the big expose i i, I have not yet oh, yeah. uh, i but, enjoyed every every single word of that right but i'm tired of this public squabbling between those two and yeah. whether they like each other or not who cares i mean it it, it doesn't yes. matter so who cares you're stealing my right. line and, and right it, um and also anthony davis is going on the boat because oh. he he got he got sucked into this whole lebron drama or this yeah. lebron vortex and he's made a bunch of bad decisions himself last night at the pelicans last game of the season he wore a shirt that said that's that's all folks yep S someone and, and claimed he didn't pick the shirt right up. right right someone he he, he, he had someone dress him <laughs> right well he claimed he claimed into the reporters afterwards he didn't pick the shirt someone picked him for it and he said and someone asked him well who hung up the shirt or like who's the guy that gave you the shirt and he said i don't know so so um so anthony davis is being that's a bad look ridiculous too that is a bad look thank you josh so um so anthony davis goes on the boat too because he's gotten a bunch of bad advice instead of like wishing your teammates yeah. were better just make the best of what you got with your current well, teammates what do what do the great players do they right. make their teammates better Right, LeBron is falling victim to the same thing. It's like stop wishing you had better teammates. Just, just make the most of what you got, basically. Right. So, right. so Anthony Davis goes on the boat. He's not on. He's not going to Mars yet, but All he right. could be on. <laughs> he could be on his way. Um, I got a couple. One is Stephen A. Smith, who apparently signed a big contract, and he's like the most highest, highest paid ESPN personality to shout opinions at other people. Uh, yeah, I just have a problem with him. I, I. I generally just avoid him altogether. I think I have – there are only a couple of things I have muted on Twitter. One of them is LeVar Ball, those words, and the other is Stephen A. Smith because I never want to see anything – Not Skip Bayless? No, I, he, well, he may he may be on – I can't remember. But I, I just don't pay attention to those guys. And this, here's what bothers me most about Stephen A. Smith, and I don't think a lot of people know this, especially young people. He is an incredibly talented writer. He was a columnist. For years, and that's how he came up in the business. He was at the what? He was in Philadelphia for years. I remember reading stuff of his at this very office when he we would you know he was still writing in Philadelphia. We, the wire service we have, I was able to read his stuff. 
he was a fantastic writer, and it just kills me that somebody that's that talented. Now he's what a, we do. Now he's, a, I, now he's a caricature. Yeah, yeah, that I have so much passion about is is basically a blathering idiot, and he's getting paid millions of dollars to just inflame p- people. He's the highest in paid like on air talent ESPN's ever had. Yeah. Now. So, so that kind of makes me sick. So he can go on the boat. There was another woman I saw yesterday. I, I read this headline to you, out, I think, out in the office. There's a woman who was at a sporting event. Forgive me. I can't remember what it was. She was in the stands. Well, somebody shot. My brother's going to get on you about yeah, that. I don't know. Maybe so. you know, knew, knew where this was. Somebody shot a T-shirt cannon <laughs> at her, right? And she reached up to grab the T-shirt, and the, it bro- like her finger broke because of the, the T-shirt. And she had to have two operations. And... She's suing whatever the team is for a million dollars. She broke a finger. She is, broke a is finger. what I read. And she's, and she's suing, suing for, for a million. million. That's not a money grab or anything so like that. she can get lost. Go on a boat. Go away. Are you, are you sending people to Mars or are you putting people on the, on the, on the boat? I'm, You're done? I've, I've already voted. A, uh, Antonio a, Brown's going he's, to Mars? Yeah, he's, he's definitely AB's going, going to Mars. Mars. Paul, Paul Pierce is playing pickup basketball on the Lido deck. Okay, nice. All right. <laughs> yeah, what does what the blonde mustache look with Antonio Brown? And like like the, <laughs> the, the, the ragweed uh, dreadlock hairdo. So the hair's, the hair's popular. You see that a lot. For sure, but, yeah. But I've never seen the mustache before. And uh, he's one of a kind. I think I've shared with both of you the picture is. of the wall, the, the walrus <laughs> with the blonde mustache yeah. next to Antonio Brown. Yeah, he's, so. he's he is proving a lot of people right. Guys like Ryan Clark, um, and and he's he's squashing any any doubt that I had in my mind that the Steelers maybe should have kept him. Um, there was there was a period of time where I thought, man, if we could work this out, if we could keep him on the team, he's such an incredible talent. Uh, a couple of the Steelers players stuck up for him, and man, am I I'm I'm off that train now. I think if if there was a test, a current test that would uh, indicate CTE in live human beings, he's a prime he's a prime candidate, candidate yeah. for that because yeah. I, I think he's losing his mind, and it's probably football yeah. related. Yeah, have fun, have fun, Raiders. Um, yeah. uh, seen or to be seen? You, you said you had a good one. Uh, so I've got I've got two. Go ahead. And I don't want to step on your on your toes. Um, the obvious one is this may be the greatest television Sunday of, of the year of 2019. Um, I love Master Sunday. Uh, if it's if it's the most beautiful day outside, I'm not going to see it because I'm going to be sitting on my couch watching the Masters, um, squeezing in some dinner, and then watching mm-hmm. Game of Thrones Josh on will, Sunday night. Josh will be outside. Yeah, I don't watch golf, or I've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. I'm one of those people. Yeah, We're quite the opposite yes. then. Um, so I, I think that was the, the obvious one. Um, one that I, I actually watched while I was on the road, um, there's a Netflix series called Seven Days to Air. Mm-hmm. Um, it's relatively new. Uh, it, the, the premise is that they, they take some of the biggest events in the world and they show you the preparation for that event for the seven days leading up to it. That's interesting. Um, I, I watched one on the Westminster Dog Show in New York. Um, at Madison Square Garden, I watched one on the opening of uh, of the world's greatest restaurant, the reopening of. But but the one that I watched that I really loved is going back to horse racing, um, is the Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. and and they give you a lot of really interesting angles, really interesting takes on um, how the different how, how it all comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, they they show the horse trainers, uh, you know, prepping the horses for the race. They show um, the announcer. Warming, injecting warming them with steroids <laughs> they i mean it it's kind of like a like an hbo 24 7 yeah that's for cool. really unique events and you, you get an inside look um with the derby coming up in a couple weeks that's what i recommend is it's called seven days to air and uh and it's on Netflix, and the Kentucky Derby one was particularly good. Excellent, yeah. I will definitely check that. And out. I think we spent the first half hour or so going over your two, uh, your scene because you were obviously at the final right. four over the, <laughs> over the over the weekend. So yeah, that's my two B scene. Uh, Josh, do you have one? I have a couple of scenes. I've been I've been reading a, quite a bit lately, um, and I started reading uh, "Love Me, Hate Me." It's and I, I, you know how I feel about Jeff Perlman. He's my one of my favorites, and he wrote. A, an autobi- an autobiography. He wrote a biography of Barry Bonds back in the, gosh, right around the time the Balco situation was going down. It's like I think it was published in '05. My goodness, I I never thought 
that he was as big of a jerk as he really is. And I and I knew that he was a jerk, but some of the stuff that I'm reading in this is really hard to believe. His teammates just hated him. Um, he didn't have any – he had very few allies on any of these teams when he was in Pittsburgh. I guess Bobby Bonilla was one of his only friends on the team. But um, – just some shocking stuff. I think there was an equipment guy that was that was quoted just recently that I read in the first like third of the book who said, "I hope Barry dies." Whoa! Like he hate like Barry Bonds treated people like equipment folks and just you know other people within the organization. He just treated them like garbage. And this I, I just couldn't believe. It. And of course, of course, Perlman talks to like hundreds of people. He's talked to like you know he talked to his Barry Bonds's Cub Scout mother from like whatever it was 1970 something um didn't talk to barry bonds though barry bonds would not talk to him so i read that i'm reading that and it's fantastic so that's my scene did you have another one you said you had a couple oh of i read yeah. I, I read uh the cover story the si cover story on 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 the greek freak and mike i'm gonna mispronounce his name budenholzer or yeah that's a really fun read um because I don't know if you guys read it. Either one of you read it. I haven't it's, read it yet, but I've read I've read a previous SI story on Giannis, and and, yeah. and he's a, he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. And the story is interesting in that this is the guy that they brought in to uh, uh, further progress. You know, he was a develop, skill. De- developmental guy. Yeah, almost. yeah, the skill of this unicorn, which you know, he's a sort of a player that's never been in the league before, and here this guy is trying to figure out how to use him, and it talks nuts and bolts about what he did with the system that they use very which is very interesting and also just um you know dealing with them interpersonally so a yeah of really good things i'm reading uh i'll go with a couple of uh to be scenes I'll, I'll i'll like o'brien sentiments i i enjoy masters weekend and enjoying uh enjoy watching that tournament uh also uh, the nhl and nba playoffs uh, start uh this week and this weekend too uh so it's that a uh, month-long grind uh, of championship season, basically month, month-and-a-half-long grind of championship season. So looking forward to the start of the, of, of the NBA playoffs, too, and seeing how that uh, will unfold, especially since LeBron won't, won't be in yeah. the NBA playoffs. Like, how interested and how invested are people without, without LeBron uh, in, in the playoffs and with an obvious favorite in, in Golden State. So there's not a lot of drama as to who might win the thing. So, so that should be interesting, too. So, so I have one question for you. Swatek brothers. Yeah, we, we were we were gonna see how much Swatek he could actually take at uh, <laughs> awesome. one given moment I, in time. I'm a, I am a Swatek fan, so well, thank, thank you. you. But, but anyway, um, I, I got to know. Like, I know how my brother and I were growing up. I have to know: is there a, is there a, a like a, a Swatek fight that you can tell me about? Was there a brother on brother violence, like a really well, good fight that you guys could tell me about? Our, our fights took place over the over the ping pong table pr- primarily but um but my brothers wanted to punch me several times over, over the course of his life oh uh, so. more than several and you know, like, come on you, you never punched your brother well we were five years apart know, yeah, so I he know. was always significantly bigger until than me. until recent until about the last decade when he's when he shot up to like 510 or 511 yeah. and that actually happened when i was like 16 and that's like towering for a swat tech. it really it is. is it really is yeah our, our dad is five nine and our mom is five four yeah. so so that that's what we have to work with there yeah. so our our, our sister's five three, I want to say. Okay. So. There, there, there weren't a lot of fist fights, and I, I'm admittedly a little bit soft, and I kind of wish there were a few more. Would have toughened me up a bit. Yeah. Um, but there was a summer, um, and I've dominated Greg in ping pong. He mentioned it for years now, <laughs> oh, and uh, even as five years younger. Yeah. There, there, there are periods of domination though, because because you, <laughs> you you were dominating me, but then I was dominating you. There was so. there was one particular summer though where we we kept track of every game that we played, who won and who lost. Uh, I won the first game. I got out to a massive lead. Um, I mean, we played a couple hundred games of ping pong yeah. this summer. and it, we, had, and, we had a table in our basement. Greg yeah. had a, a, an amazing comeback. He tied me. I think it was something. I, like, I made up the. De- I made up this gigantic deficit in it games. It was like 130 games to 130. Um, and I and, and I actually went ahead by oh a point. I, so I, I went ahead by a point. The very next game, he, he scored the first point. <laughs> I and, never. I never let again. And then I never looked back. 
<laughs> so I dusted, straight dusted him. Right. So I so I made up this huge deficit. Like I couldn't believe it. I don't think Brian yeah. could believe it. And I went. I scored the first point of the game. Gasp. Right. I, I ran out of steam because I, I after scoring the first point of that of that go ahead game to break the tie, I I never saw the lead again. So that's so fantastic. Not a lot of fist fights, but a lot of epic. Battles. Was he? Uh, was he? Did he pick on you a lot? As oh yeah. Big, as the big brother. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was I, I, I was a tormentor. All right. So. Yep. We uh we're, we're finding new ways to enjoy each other's time. I you know I now that the uh j- that I get to listen to just another sports podcast every week, I've never felt closer oh, to yeah. uh to Greg because I I get a weekly dose now and That's right. right. And and I don't need Yeah, cuz we're not we're not like calling each other like every day saying, "Hey, how was your day?" and stuff like right. that. No, so. and, and and I and with you know, formerly with Colin in the room, ha- having so many takes against what I believed. I, we're we're, I we're, we're, we're sorry. We regret that he's not here. I, I, uh, well, I, I realized that I really like you a lot more when there's somebody <laughs> in the room who I like a lot less. That's hilarious. Having never met Colin, it's, right. just, it's he, just my podcast. He literally wa- walked out the door probably five or ten minutes before he, he got here. I, I, I saw him here. Did you here, tip so. him off? <laughs> I, I did not tip him off, but he might have been running scared. Though, yeah, he's, so. not, he's not somebody that would probably stand toe-to-toe with Brian. Uh, did, did we miss anything on your list? Anything that we need to hit on before we go here? Or? No, no. I think that covers just about all of it. Awesome. Oh, hey. Well, thanks for coming in and sharing your amazing stories. That was great. Yeah, thank Appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks to Graham Cullen for throwing all of this together. And uh, wear more Under Armour, everyone. So yes, sir. That, 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 that's our final word here for this week. Uh, you've been listening to Just Another Sports Podcast.